0: This morning we finish our month-long series in the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11, and I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible this morning. If you are physically able, would you stand in honor and reverence for the Word of God? Proverbs 6, beginning in verse 6. Go to the ant, you slacker. Observe its ways and become wise without leader, administrator, or ruler. It prepares its provisions in summer. It gathers its food during harvest. How long will you stay in bed, you slacker? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest, and your poverty will come like a robber and your need like a bandit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we praise you because you teach us how to live. In your word, Father, you have the wisdom we need for life to walk in the ways of life. And Lord, I pray from uh, this passage this morning that everyone in here, from the youngest child to the oldest adult, that we would all... um, just absorb a little bit more of your wisdom and your ways. God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So when I was growing up, uh, life seemed to be defined by a series of rivalries and conflicts. Um, You know, when I was a kid, the Cold War was still going, so there was America, the U.S., Versus the Soviets. And, you know, uh, Biloxi. So we had Biloxi versus Gulfport rivalry. Um, girls versus boys. That was a big one, you know. Um, there, were, there were other rivalries out there. That some of them were real. Some of them were you just got into. Dark side versus light side. Rocky versus Apollo Creed. You know, life just was, I don't know, so much, so much of it was uh, in contrast and in rivalries. And I thought this past week about a particular rivalry that uh that came around in the late 90s ni- or the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, and this was a a huge rivalry Nintendo versus Sega, okay? So you uh you you know if you were a kid, maybe even a college student, you kind of had a side in this. And so Nintendo had been the ones on the scene. Everybody took the, after Atari fell off the edge of the planet or whatever, and everybody forgot about them. Nintendo came along, and everybody had a Nintendo. But then Sega came along, and Sega wanted to make out how much better they were and how different they were. And so they defined themselves, and here was their slogan. Genesis does what Nintendon't. Okay you got you get how they, what they did there you see that what Nintendo doesn't they said Genesis does what Nintendo don't and so they they like to advertise hey you know what in those games Nintendo it's for little kids and so and they don't have all the stuff we do look they even had a Michael Jackson game you see right there they thought that they were better than Nintendo because Nintendo had Tecmo Bowl well they had Joe Montana football and you know Nintendo might have had some bases loaded or something they Cal Ripken. They said, we are going to define ourselves in relation to Nintendo. We're going to show you how much better we are because we do what they can't do. Well, the writer of the Proverbs this morning does something very similar when he talks about slackers or sloths or sluggards. Those were the words that were used in the, in the older definitions, the older translation, go to the ant, thou sluggard. You know, I don't think we call anyone a sluggard these days. I've cut down people in a lot of ways, but I've never called anyone a sluggard. But uh, the newer translations will use things like ours today, use the word slacker. Some of them say, go to the ant, you lazy bum, or you lazy bones, or you get the idea. The word literally, it means, though, idle one. Idle one, And think about the word idle. We put our cars in idle all the time. We have to stop. But you don't buy a car to idle it. You buy it to drive it. God created us and we have times where we need to rest and times when we need to slow down. But the Bible says we are created to do good works in Christ Jesus. And the author of the Proverbs here is sharing some ancient wisdom. Um, again, we said this whole book, it's geared originally toward young people, but then people of all ages can learn from it. But he has the idea of this goof-off kind of person, this goof-off kind of kid. I was talking to somebody recently about their growing up years, and they were talking about one of their siblings, a particular one of their brothers, who had this magical ability that they knew whenever mom and dad were about to announce some chores, they're like a magician because they disappeared. You know, they were nowhere to be found when the dishes were supposed to be washed, or maybe you know some people like that. They can do a disappearing act. The word work is even thought, you know, before it's even said. And there's always been people like that. There have always been people who really just don't want to work. And, and we live in a society, and man, has this been multiplied? Has this grown? I mean, talk to anybody who's a boss, an employer, and, talk, and, and they will tell you, I cannot find good work. How many times recently have you gone somewhere and you thought it was a store that was going to be open? They closed early, or maybe you couldn't go inside, or this or that. And the, the sign on the door says, we couldn't find help. We need help. We don't have people who are willing to work. And our society is failing the, to grasp this idea that God did not create us to idle. There's a time for rest. There's a time for recovery. And thank God there's a time for retirement one day. But, you know, there is a place where all of us, as as much as we are gifted, as much as we are able, that we should be Working that we should be using the gifts that God has given us to bless other people, to fulfill the role that He made for our lives. So here the psalm or the, the author of the Proverbs tells us, makes this big comparison, just kind of like the whole Sega and Nintendon't. He says, Here's a slacker, but here's what ants are. And, you know, and, and it's interesting. He doesn't choose to say, You know what? Here you are, slacker, but here's a good kid who works really hard. He goes down to the level of an ant. He said, Buddy, you're so lazy that you can just look at the insects on the ground and you can learn some lessons about how your life should be different. All right? And so he tells us some things, and we're going to look at three of them. The first is that ants don't need oversight, ants don't need oversight. Look at this, in verse 7, without leader, administrator, or ruler, it prepares its provisions in the summer and gathers its food in the harvest. No leader, no administrator, no ruler. That is, the first lesson from the ants is that you and I should not, our work should not come only when someone is over us, when someone is fussing at us, begging us, yelling at us, observing us, that we ought to learn to be self-motivated or even better, Christ-motivated to do our work. The Apostle Paul speaks and says, "'Servants, don't work only when your master "'is watching as eye-pleasers, "'but rather do your work as unto the Lord.'" And that principle is repeated throughout Scripture that when we're working, it's not because of that manager who's making $2 more an hour than we are, okay? It's not because we might get in trouble. It's not even because what people might think about us or say about us. But our work, as we use what God has given us, is to get out there and honor our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through hard work. And by the way, that also follows up on the other principles of the Bible, that honoring your mother and father, that's another way you do it, by taking the principles they've taught you and getting out there and working. We often speak of the carrot and the stick, In motivation terms, right? The carrot, of course, represents the reward. You put the carrot out there in front of the mule or horse or donkey. I've never done this literally. If any of y'all ever have, you can tell me how well it works. But the idea is if you dangle a reward in front of someone, then they'll want to work hard. And then the stick, of course, on the other hand, is we're going to whip this mule. We're, we're going we're to beat it into submission. We're going to make it go. And, and those are the two basic forms of external motivation that we hear about in this world. Either people are saying, work hard because you'll get rewarded, or work hard because you don't want what's going to happen if you don't. But the author of Proverbs here says, look, an ant doesn't need either of those. The queen doesn't have to be sitting there saying, go, ant, go, ant, go, ant. go. It doesn't need a cheerleader constantly. It doesn't need a slave driver constantly. But that ant simply does what it's supposed to do. And all of us should seek to have that type of internal motivation that we say, God, we know that you created us. God, you gave us gifts and abilities. And Lord, I want to use what you've given me to honor you. And I'm going to do my work as to you. I'm not going to think about that grumpy boss that I have. I'm not going to think about that coach or that teacher I can't stand. I'm not going to think about that person that drives me nuts. I'm going to think about you because I'm not really doing this stuff for them, God. I'm doing it for you. So ants don't need the heavy. They don't need oversight. They don't need someone standing right over them to get them to work. And that's the first lesson for us that we become uh, people who are self-starters, that we become people who have initiative and choose because of our love for God and honor and reverence for him, we're going to work hard regardless of what's going on around us. The second lesson that the ants teach us is ants don't make excuses. Ants don't make excuses. Now this, uh, we're looking at just this one little chapter in Proverbs or this section in chapter six, but the lesson about the slackers, the lazybones—they're all throughout the book. And um, <laughs> Proverbs 22 gives a great example of of one of the excuses that slackers would use back in the day. I love this. Proverbs 22:13. The slacker says, "There's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the public square." Isn't that great? Have any of y'all ever used that one? I, I've never called in with that excuse. But, you know, I, I think there's a principle there that we, the idea is, oh, you know, it, it rained yesterday. The roads might be too slick. I probably shouldn't get out. Oh, you know, oh, oh it's kind of hot. I'm I'm going to get around to working when it gets a little bit colder. Oh, it's too cold now. When it and, and we just think of every possible harm or bad or wrong or anything. And if we try hard enough, We can do just like this ancient slacker, and we can get ourselves afraid and worried, and we convince ourselves that, hey, you know, I really shouldn't work. I really am a hard worker at heart, but there's this, this, and this, and and that's why I'm not going after it. And, you know, the interesting thing about slackers is they end up getting convinced in their mind that they're not really on the wrong path. It's everybody else. Because listen to this, and um, you go over to Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs twenty-six sixteen and listen to what he says here about them and their attitudes. It says, In his own eyes a slacker is wiser than seven who can answer sensibly. In other words Oh, you may, you may have a good reason why they can work. You may try to help them and say, well, oh, you don't have, you know, you can't get to work. Here's no, I can sell you an old car cheap. or you, know, you may have some kind of way that you can help, uh, but no, I've thought of that. You know, and they're going to have some reason why they're always, because why? Because in their minds, they're great, how are they are, sitting in idle is the life for them. And they forget that God, as the ultimate maker and manufacturer, did not create us to sit idle, but he created us to go and do the work, the good works, which Ephesians uh, 7, 8, 9, and 10 talks about those good works that we were created in Christ Jesus to do. So we have to, if we're going to be like these ants, we have to learn, I'm going to kind of strip away these excuses. Now, I'm not much for political correctness, and especially when like, terminology and words get changed, but I'll tell you there is a word that I like, and that is for those some folks who have, instead of the word handicap, used the word handicapable. Now, let me tell you why I like that word. I like it because I have seen some people who absolutely inspire me. I look at people who have certain difficulties in their life And they are doing things, when I look at them and I think, oh, well, it'd be okay for them to just not do I mean, in my heart, I want to go ahead and and excuse them like I'm God or something. I want to say, hey, you just go ahead and be idle because I understand your problem. But I look at them and what they do. And whether it's a physical deformity, whether it's some accident, whether it's some circumstance or situation in life that they've overcome, and they're doing things. And those folks inspire me. In fact, they make me say, what have I done with my life? You know, uh, Several years ago, uh, my previous church, we, we, pastored a, uh, we, we, we offered, we held a big a wild game supper. And, and we had a fisherman there who had no arms and legs. And he would sit there and he would tie the knots in the fishing line with his tongue. And he was on the pro tour. And I was like, wow. He never gave in to this idea that, well, I was born different, and I don't have all the same this, that, and the other, and so therefore I shouldn't try. I shouldn't excel. Somehow, I don't know if it was his parents. I don't know if it was revelation from God. I don't know if it was his personality, but this guy persisted and did amazing, amazing things. He never made excuses. And the Proverbs author here, this wisdom writer, says, ants don't make excuses, so why should you? Ants don't need oversight, ants don't make excuses, and ants don't procrastinate. That's the third and final uh, point today. Ants don't procrastinate. Now, I'm going to tell you, my own toes are hurting a little bit right now because there's times when I tell myself yeah I'm gonna do that and you know what what's interesting sometimes that's almost as good as checking it off the list like I haven't done it but I've said I'm gonna do it so it's gonna happen so I mean I can relax I can chill out I'm gonna get around to it right and the procrastination in life now yeah do we have to sometimes prioritize yeah we do (laughs) And sometimes it's most important. Sometimes it's what will get you fussed at the most or the least. I mean, we have different ways that we prioritize in life. But we have to be careful that we don't become people who always say, yes, I'm a good worker. I'm going to do that someday. But I have to learn to do the work in its season i have to do it when it's appropriate we have to have this mentality i i I love there's one other verse outside of this passage but also in proverbs i want to share with you and it's proverbs chapter 20 verse 4 this is great this is great listen to this the slacker does not plow during planting season at harvest time he looks and there is nothing and isn't that amazing? This guy's sitting here. Everybody's out there. Everybody else is out there with their, with their pulling their mules, planting their seeds, doing whatever. And he's, all, he's like, those losers. What are they doing? This is a beautiful weather. This is a great time of the year to relax. I don't know why they're doing that. I'll worry about food when it comes harvest time. That's when you really have to get out there and work. And he shows up and he hears around, You know, oh, it's harvest time. Let me go out to my field and see. Someone has stolen all my food. It's gone. How do I not have a crop? Because he always thought, oh, it'll be there. It's going to happen somehow. Like there's just some kind of magical out. Well, I'll tell you, if there's one principle that the Bible uses over and over and over that is both a physical principle and a spiritual principle, that is what you sow that you will also reap we don't reap a harvest unless we plant it unless we sow it and you and i have to understand that there are seasons of life there are times when you know you just it doesn't matter that you intended to do it or you got around to do it i mean how many times have someone given you a coupon? And you've gotten excited. You're going to use that coupon. You stuck it in the coupon drawer maybe or whatever. And then you, find, you forgot about it and then you find it. This is a great coupon. Uh, expired 2019. Okay, you know, there are, there are windows of opportunity in our life. And if we don't strike while the iron's hot, we've missed them. The ant teaches us that it's not just good enough to say, yes, I'll work hard one day but we have to have this point that we say i want to choose to to work hard in the right time when it's needed <laughs> any of you who are parents you may have had a conversation in your house sometime that went a little something like this hello random child i would like you to do such and such random chore and the response might come back now <laughs> and your response can't be said in church. No, I mean, it's, you usually like, yes, now. I wasn't just saying this. Um, we have to be taught. We have to learn. Again, we all have to grow in these areas from, from youthfulness through adulthood. So let's go back. Uh, let's go back since I enjoyed so much geeking out about ancient video games. Let's go back to the whole uh, Nintendo and Genesis thing one more time. Well, that Genesis, Sega Genesis came in about 30 years ago. But you know what? It's interesting. Things have changed. Because back then, while Nintendo and Sega were big old rivals, nowadays, if you buy yourself the latest Nintendo machine, a Nintendo Switch, you can buy a game on it called the Nintendo, the Sega Genesis Classics. And you can play all the Sega games you want on a Nintendo machine. In fact, last week, there was a big little, uh, there was a big, Nintendo announcement things where they were doing all their new games. And they brought back a thing where, where they were going to have some of their classic Nintendo 64 games. And I know I'm speaking Greek too. 75% of you just keep pretending like you're interested. And then, but they also said, besides just our old Nintendo games, we're going to have some Sega games too. And so you're going to see this picture. There's this guy showing up, holding up two controllers right there. He's like, we, and they're making a classic Nintendo controller and a classic sega controller so that you can play both of those kind of games on the switch so what's the point of that besides me indulging myself in video game nostalgia the point is things can change sega and nintendo went from bitter enemies to now they're working together And if you listen to this message and you feel kind of bad and you say, ooh, maybe I am sleeping in a little bit too much. Maybe I am putting things off too much. Maybe I am making excuses. The whole point of this passage is you can change to be a better type of person. You can become more the person that God created you to be through his help, by his spirit. And so I just want to encourage you as you think about the contrast. That the Bible's given us about what lazy bone slackers do versus what ants don't do. And you think maybe I should be a little bit more like that ant than I am now. Bring that to God. Allow Him to change you, to get your thinking right and your praying right, and your behaving will follow. And you can be that kind of person that brings honor and glory to God, not through idleness but through doing all that you do to the glory of God. Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. None of us are lemons. None of us are rejects. None of us have recalls placed upon us. God, everything about us, You knew ahead of time. You knew us in our mother's womb. You love us. You created us. You gave us different abilities. And Father, you have a purpose for each and every one of us. And today, Lord, you're calling on us to honor you through our work. Lord God, just as we should never dishonor you by taking your name in vain or breaking any of the ten commandments or anything like that lord god there should never be someone who looks at christians and says that's a lazy bunch of folks but god as your children as those who are called by your name we should bring honor to that name through the way that we work through the way that we don't make excuses that we do things in a way that pleases you God, help us to have that type of tendency and that type of life and that type of work ethic. And now, God, as we come to our time of invitation, Lord, allow us to to be at a place. Lord, you may have been working on some hearts about some very different things this week. Lord, somebody may be burdened about a family member. God, somebody may have a big decision that they need your help in. They need your wisdom. God, maybe there's even a public decision that needs to be made today. We don't know what it is, but God, you do. And I just pray that all of us would be responsive to your spirit speaking to us today. We dedicate this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.